0: Somebody shout glory. You ought to have been there when he saved my soul. There isn't anybody knows like I know what he did for me. Amen. There's some people got an idea who was around there in those times. And they saw that old Arkansas boy come up to that altar that night. And he never was the same after that. They might have not knew what happened, but they knew something happened. Amen. Because there was some change that's come over me. Amen. I, I thank God this morning that He is still a life changing God. He's one that can take whatever situation you're in and change it and, and put it back. Amen. And give you the grace that you need to get through it. Amen. Amen. I want to say it's a real honor to be here today. In real grace, you can have your seats just for a minute. Thank you. Amen. I'm uh, just I'm under commission here this morning to say some things to you all. Um, from the folks back home, uh, we had so many people that had planning to come, and we had some deaths in the families of the church there, so they've they've not able to come this weekend. One of them is uh, of course, our brother Chuck Collins and sister Debbie. Amen. They they lost uh, their their son Charlie in an explosion there. Charlie and Rachel, I know you all know about it, and uh, but it was you know I, I I think sometimes we look around at things and we think. We can only see the bad in it, but I was just speaking on a little scripture the other night and the prophet said, you know, when you come to be a Christian, he said, there's no promise of an immunity from problems. He said, but see, the scripture actually does promise that problems will come. He said, many shall be the afflictions of the righteous. He said, but never forget to look at the other part of that scripture It said, he shall deliver us out of them all. So you can't get on one side of that. You have to also look at he'll deliver us of them all. But I've seen God take the situation there with Charlie and Rachel, and uh, actually used it uh, to during the just after the memorial service. Brother Danny Steeman stuck around and spoke for us on the Sunday morning. Done a tremendous job. God so uses Brother Danny. We love him so much. He's a he's a real man of God. And uh, so he was speaking that morning, and one of the families that um, had been uh, it, Brother Tom actually, uh, Brother Tom, Sister Sharon Sprouls. Uh, has got an older son and a wife and some family, and maybe a couple of weeks before that, they had just started coming back around the church a little bit. Been out of church for years, and um, and they were actually coming around a little bit. And that Sunday morning, Brother Danny was speaking, and and uh, they come up as a family, and uh, the sister came up and she said, Brother Wayne, she said, we we've been coming around a little bit. She said, but just through these things, we just realize how important it is to give our lives to Christ and and to to get a home church and to be in and she said i'm just wondering if the church would receive us back that we could come home and uh, it's on video you know and i actually just welcomed her home and the church welcomed her home and and uh, her and her little family there and i walked around the back and was able to shake hands with thomas he was in the back of the church there and he hugged my neck and told me how much it meant to him and he was looking so forward had actually just changed uh, he had actually just changed jobs so he could be at church on thursdays and sundays he said I, I he said it's more important than anything else he said we had to move out i think they actually moved in with brother tom and brother tom actually would come into these meetings brother ron was there a few weeks ago at our church he actually invited some of the people there a lot of them haven't been down and they really wanted to come and visit and i don't know if y'all know it, it's a secret but ron spencer's a rock star in ohio uh, uh, he's a <laughs> he's a very loved man uh, I, I'm afraid he might be that way at a lot of places, but uh, but he's a, he's a very uh, loved man there. And brother Tom called me a few days after brother Ron left. Uh, he just you know brother Tom called and he said by the way he said i want to come to them meetings. He said but I have to be honest. He said we just don't have the funds right now. He said but I've made a decision. He said I'm just going to sell my gun. He said I'm going to get enough money to come down there. And he did it. He did. He sold a real nice gun. And he put back the money. He said, "We got our rooms, man. They were ready to go." And then, uh, and then, just you know, last Sunday, uh, two weeks now, uh, they lost their son, or it's just a week ago, I guess, they lost their son in an accident after the meetings. Uh, they had a, a wedding in the evening, and Tom and his wife Melissa, they were actually the ones that were dedicated there, and they were on their way home, and a, a, a car, a drunk driver, uh, passed and got right in their lane and there was a head-on collision and everybody in the car was okay except for Thomas and he was killed on the impact which was Tom's son and so Tom called me and and we were talking we actually were in is it okay to, we were we were in Pigeon Forge. This the, the, the uh, uh, brother Ron and us was that down there and we were just visiting and got the phone call and brother brother Tom says to me uh, I think he had talked to me about three minutes there and just telling me about it and he said can you please tell Brother Ron I'm not going to be able to make the meetings. So it was the first thing on his heart, you know, is that he wouldn't be able to be here. So I want you all to pray for Brother Tom and his family because he really wanted to be in these meetings this weekend and maybe maybe, maybe next year he'll get to come down and, and fellowship and be a part and y'all keep him in prayer and the family and I'm supposed to give you greetings from the whole church and... Brother uh, brother Ray, of course, and the family there, Brother Erickson, has said, God bless you all and greetings. And so we've we certainly been going through a lot there. But, you know, uh, what we found out is that God, amen, ordains our paths. And there's nothing can come our way unless he allows it. And if God allows it, he's already got a way to deliver us from it. So we're walking with a great shepherd and trusting his every move and knowing amen that this is this is an ordained path and we can't never forget why we're here right we're here to get the character in our lives that it takes to rule in a millennium amen this is a proving ground for us now what we've found is though is along the way of course there's some heartaches and of course there's some things that we don't know how to interpret or whatever but we know god's got it all in control but, you know, God gives us those little blessings along the way. He, he just gives us nuggets and, and, and blessings and miracles in our lives. And I'm blessed today to have uh, uh, my family with me. Uh, Gracie and Brian wasn't able to be here, and they send their greetings to you all. Uh, but I've, I've been a blessed man. I've got three children. They're all serving the Lord, filled with the Holy Ghost. Love this message, serving God right with us. And, 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 and brother, if you don't think that's a blessing, that's the greatest blessing that I know of. And and God's give us good in-laws, and y'all know that's a miracle, right? Amen. And we've got we've got wonderful in-laws, and we love them. And and uh, and the Holy Spirit's been so good to us. It was just uh, uh, just a couple of years ago that Anna and Zach was having such a terrible time. Uh, trying to have a, a baby, they were having miscarriages, and there was all kinds of questions about whether they were going to be able to or not. And and um, I, I, they were living there in the basement. Zach works as a nurse, and he was gone at nights, and so Anna was staying there, and and the, you know they just started staying around, and living there in the basement. And and so I was there when they were praying, and when they were getting disappointments, and you know how that is. It's just like a roller coaster, and then. And then the Holy Spirit just began to deal, and one day they came, Brother Ron actually was up at the church, and they come in a prayer line, and I was sitting there thinking, I was standing beside Brother Ron, was praying for some people, and I was sitting there thinking, Lord, if Ann and Zach had just come in this prayer line today, I believe it would be you speaking, you know, and and next thing I know, I looked up, and here comes Ann and Zach, and they come right down here, and you know, you you tell these things, but I I don't think we are to ever forget What the Lord has done for us. I don't think we ought to ever let the devil take away the reality that God has done miracles in our lives. We never forget the tragedies. We never forget the troubles. But I don't believe we ought to ever let these blessings pass from our memory. And you know, I I was standing right there when Brother Ron looked over at Sister Anna and Zach. And when he looked at Anna and he said, you're going to have that child. And I don't remember exact words, but it was that direct. You're going to have that baby, Anna. And it wasn't but, it wasn't but a while later, of course, then. Uh, of course, there's no baby coming. And you know how the devil, when God ain't speaking, the devil gets to whispering, you know. And uh, we were actually out at Brother Wendell Martin's working on a, a, a parking lot. And I was listening to a tape. And the Spirit of the Lord just sat right there in the greater with me. And he spoke to my heart, you're going to have that grandchild. And I thought, thank you, Lord, for the, for the encouragement, you know. And then it just rocked along a little while, and then I came out here and preached for you all. And you all remember, and I'm up here telling you I'm going to be a grandpa. And everybody's like, you got news? And I'm like, no, it's by faith. It's by faith. And then Brother Rahm was sitting right back there, and he hollers. They get it on the video. And he hollers from the back, and he said, that's thus saith the Lord, Brother Wayne. Well, later, you know, we found out he had a vision over the thing, so he wasn't even guessing. He knew exactly what was going to be happening. Amen. He had that blessing. And, and so then, of course, then when the Lord began to give him, we started getting proof with, with a test. And then we started getting the ultrasounds. And, and all that was powerful. But you know today, I literally live with the reality of a fulfilled vision that's happened in my life. And, and I tell you, right here today, Ann and Zach sits here, and there's little Evelyn. Amen. And God miraculously gave us this baby And we're thankful for it, and we're going to tell the world God did it for us. It was not an accident, some little something didn't just change. Our God intervened, and he changed the pattern of whatever was wrong and made it right again, because he's that kind of God. The God of Elijah is still alive today. He is still alive. He's still moving in the church. So I had this on my heart last year up at Brother Ed Biskel and Brother Tom Ray there at their Mount Baker camp in the fall, in the August there and I had this on my heart and right at the end of it I was preaching on visions and talking about the experiencing of, of being in the middle of something and not realizing it's a vision and you're in the middle of it and then one day you wake up and whoa this is exactly what the vision was and I started telling about this about this great miracle of Evelyn and when I did I didn't know this but Brother Brian was sitting over there on the piano playing and they had just come through some tragic miscarriages and he said they were at the point of just completely giving up. But there I stood with a testimony that Almighty God can still change things. When you are run out of hope, when you've run out of chances, when you've run out of testimony, when you think it's all finished, there's God on the scene to change the situation. And when Brother Ron was there in Jubilee meetings there, amen, he got up and made a testimony and put the picture of his little baby up there. Listen, friends, God's still alive. And the reason we tell these miracles is because they keep moving and they keep going into other lives. And somebody will walk up to me and they'll say, Brother Wayne, I heard that testimony and I believed it and here's the baby or here's the situation or this was healed or this was given because God is still alive. We want to thank God this morning. We want to thank you for every miracle that's been done in this church. We want to thank him for every miracle that's been done across the land. Amen. I believe in worshiping the God of miracles. Amen. I believe we are to publish it. We are to Tell it. We ought to tell it high and far and wide that our God reigns, our God lives. He's in the miracle business. He's in the saving business. Don't give up hope. If you've got loved ones and they're still breathing, don't give up hope. If you know somebody and it looks like they're outside of the grace of God, don't give up on them. The God that I serve is a God of first chances, second chances, third chances. He don't quit till he gets what he's after. He's a mighty God this morning. We we owe him all the praise and the honor. He is God and there is no other. My, what a wonderful God this morning. What a wonderful God. While you're standing, let's just put our hands in the air and let's just welcome him in prayer this morning in the word. Almighty God, you are our God. You are the Jehovah of miracles. Lord, you have put men around us that have encouraged us to tell of the supernatural events, Lord, that happens in our lives. Father, how often there has been so many things that have went untold or unsaid. But, Lord, we want to give you the glory. We want to give you the honor. And we'll not despise the small things that you do in our lives. We'll give you honor and praise for them, Father. Now, Lord, while we pray this morning, across this congregation, there must be needs, O oh God. And I just pray that in this human weakness and these tabernacles of humiliation, that you show us a grace this morning and you honor us with your divine presence, Lord. May you take this word and these things that have been uh, put together for this morning. May you use them for your glory. May you touch each need here today. Anoint the speaker, Father. Anoint the hearer, Lord. And you take the glory and the honor from these meetings. We give you this praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And if you have your Bibles, let's turn into the book of Second Peter. I want to read here uh, just one portion of scripture and you could be seated again. Second Peter, the first chapter. Amen. Uh now the problem is I don't know what I'm gonna do when Evelyn wakes up and wants her pie paw. I I, uh, I, you know, I think last night, brother Andrew, she was at the end. She was, a, <laughs> she was a pulling me. I don't know. Do you go down there and pet them? What do you do, brother Ron? <laughs> Just go down there and hold them a minute. And, uh, problem is, is, she's a she's a ham. She'll to take the mic from me, you know. Um, in Second Peter chapter one, we want to read now. Uh, it's it, the grace of God, friends, and I, I tell you what the beauty is that. That uh, I, 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 I just have to say this. I want to be a grandpa, and I want my, the capstone of my life is that all of my children have a lot of grandchildren, uh, and I get to sit in the middle of them and love them, you know. <laughs> so that's a highlight for my life right there is to have my kids and grandkids around me. And, uh, you know, God has given Mariah Grace and Brian. I don't know how public it's been, but, but Brian, is, uh, Brian and Mariah is expecting a, another little girl's coming along. So I'm trying to work out how is it I'm going to put two on my shoulders, but we're going to get her done. We're going to get her done. Amen. We thank the Lord for his grace. Amen. In 2 Peter chapter, two, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things, That pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped, isn't that amazing? Having escaped, have you escaped? having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We ask the Lord to bless his words. You could be seated this morning. I want to speak to you from this context, an expression of a divine nature, an expression of a divine nature. You know, the beauty and the most rewarding thing of being a Christian is to receive the nature of Christ. To have the nature of Christ is a powerful, it's a powerful thing. It's the only character in the Bible uh, that could save souls, that could change things and put them back the way they were. Brother Bram said you can go through the whole Bible and it's the only character that could save you. Moses couldn't do it. Elijah couldn't do it. Enoch couldn't do it. No other character in the Bible but the character of Jesus Christ, which is the nature of God. It can save us. Take us out of all of our situations. Now, in the adoption part two, Brother Branham will say this. Inside of that, it was attributes, which meant that he was inside of great Elohim was an attribute. Now, you know what an attribute is, or let me say it like this. It was a nature. So inside of Elohim was an attribute, and Brother Branham says an attribute is a nature. So an attribute, see, inside of him was the nature to be a father, but he was self-existent. So there's nothing to father by. Now, down inside of that, he said, was something else, that he was God. And God is an object of worship, but he was self-existent. He was Elohim. So there was nothing to worship. Inside of that, he was a Savior, and there was nothing lost to be saved. Inside of that, he was a healer, but there was nothing sick to be healed or nothing to be sick. So now, do you get the picture? So his attributes, his nature produced what is today. So because that he was a healer, something had to be sick to prove his healing. Never the will of God that you would be sick. It's the will of God for you to know he's a healer. Amen. Without someone lost, you would never know he's a savior. So God never intended for man to be lost. He intended for you to have the revelation that you're saved. Now, that's the revelation of salvation. In the future home, Brother Branham will say this. Adam was a direct descent from God, and you can only take the nature of your parent. And when you were born again, you take the nature of your parent of heaven. And your parent of heaven is the attribute of the word. See, the word is the attribute of your parent. How can you deny it, see, for a denomination? Amen. Now watch what he's saying. The word is the attribute of your parents. So whatever's in the scripture is the attribute of the nature of being a Christian. So like if you read something in the Bible. That's that's speaking of your nature. It's a description of the character of Jesus Christ. Every scripture explains Jesus Christ. So you're seeing his nature or his character being revealed. Now, the grace of God is, is that you as a believer have the same nature or character living on the inside of you. So the word is the explanation of your attribute or your character. I'll just say it like this. The word attribute can be defined as such. An attribute of God can be defined as an essential or a permanent characteristic of a nature. See, they're also called God's perfections. Individual attributes may be studied by themselves or considering how they relate to overall character of God. So, Brother Bram, in identifying God by characteristics, remember he said God's always supernatural. That's how you identify them, to you, you hunters. You know, uh, I, I remember as a kid, uh, we used to go quail hunting. I shot a bunch of sparrows, you know, because I didn't know how to tell the difference. Uh, they just, they were just birds, you know. Hey, Amen. I thought I had me a, I, I had me a pile, but they were easier to kill than quail, you know. Hey, Amen. But, but it, it's just a bird, unless you know the difference, you know. But the difference is the character. It's the, it's the way that they fly. It's a certain characteristic about them that you can tell the difference and he's telling us that the attribute of a Christian is the characteristic of God there's a characteristic there there's a spirit there of a Christian now of course now in the Easter seal brother Branham really opens something up in John chapter 5 and 24 he that heareth my words and believeth upon him hath passed from death unto life and shall not come into condemnation what is it he has eternal life he doesn't come into judgment he's already passed from death unto life. Then, when this new eternal life dwells in you, it is the potential or the earnest of you being quickened from mortal to immortality. Now let me say this again: when the Spirit has found you, this individual, it comes upon you, it is the potential of your internal inheritance that God thought of you and made you before the foundation of the world. There is your potential like if you asked me for an oak tree and i gave you an acorn the life for the oak tree is in the acorn but you have to wait till it grows up so brother bannam is telling us when you receive the holy ghost everything that's going to be in the oak tree is in you right then every now you look at that great big oak out there and he has that great big expanse and spread and you think, my goodness, amen, how did that ever got there? It got there because the life of an oak tree was put in the ground. And the ability to get that tall was in the seed. The ability to produce those leaves were in the seed. Now, I know some people don't know the difference in an oak tree and a poplar. You know what I mean? Amen. It takes a logger sometimes to know. Everybody knows the difference between pine tree and oak tree. But an oak tree and a pine tree are two different characteristics of the same life. One's expressing one thing. One's expressing another. But you see the potential to do so. I've always said this. God's a great big God. Can you imagine he's so, so big? that he can become so small. You you wait and you you put a seed in the ground, it's an apple seed, and you can put an entire uh, tree in the ground in a seed. Can you imagine that? Hey Amen. You can you can dig a little bitty hole and get a great big apple tree out of that little bitty seed that you put in that hole. You can let that apple tree grow up in every bushel of apple that ever is hauled away from that tree. Hey Amen. Come out of that one seed. God can put a hundred bushels of apple in one seed. You try to cut that tree down after it comes to maturity and it'll take you a couple trailer loads of brush and wood to haul off a tree that God could give you in one seed. See, because he's God, he can put the potential in a seed. And so is it with a Christian that God put the potential of everything that ever will happen as a Christian in that seed life. He put the body change in that seed. He put attributes in that seed. He put life in that seed. It is the it is the earnest, brother. Bram man said the earnest of the potential is the quickening power of the resurrection. When you receive the Holy Ghost, it's dwelling in you the potential of it. Now you're on your way growing to full resurrection no tree comes up overnight it's got to grow as we grow in the grace and knowledge of god you are baptized in the holy spirit and as a pentecostal church baptized into the holy spirit it begins to grow limbs are added they're pluming off but the tree is still growing it's still going because it's got to come to full resurrection it's got to come to full resurrection If you let that which is in you now grow, it will grow into full resurrection. It will give every attribute of it. Now, a potential, you know what a potential is, and Brother Adam says it in that great message, spoken word original seed, pick up your pen and write. How many remembers that? He said as this church begins to near the headstone which we are, he said when she begins to near the headstone, he says what has happened, he said they will love him and they will have his potentials, for he is their head and he is and they are his subjects and the headship of Christ. So so the church will have the potentials of God at the time of the headstones because the church has grown into maturity means that the maturity of what Christ was has returned back to the church. That's why we're not just in justification or sanctification. We're not even in the the realm of the baptism of the Holy Ghost to reform the gifts. We have taken the baptism of the Holy Ghost and brought on the extreme nature of Jesus Christ into the church of the living God. That's why we believe that there's nothing that cannot happen in the church of the living God because we are not a baby church. We are a mature church in the grace of Almighty God. Now, in the maturing process, we must remember Remember this, we have already raised. How many knows that? The scripture says it. We have already raised. We have raised from the things of the world and we have went into the promises of God and we have his potential. In other words, we're raised up out of the things we used to be, used to do the way we used to be. We have raised out of it by a resurrection power and where we are this morning as a church, as a people in the message of the hour is we're praying that famous prayer, thy will be be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have come to the same place Jesus was in the fact of maturity is brought us to full obedience to the word of God. That's where we're standing. We're not looking for ways around it. We're not looking for ways to live separate from it, but we have realized I and my Father are one. It's where the church has come. I am my father one. So the potential of the father is now being seen in the church. Now, watch this beautiful prayer of Jesus. Matthew the 6, chapter 9 through 15. This is where the disciples themselves didn't know how to pray. And they asked the Lord, said, would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us, Lord, how to pray? Now, when Jesus teaches you to pray, it's something you should pay attention to. He said, after this manner, therefore pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever, amen. And the very next words the Lord says, is for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now why has Jesus put forgiveness at that level? Have you ever noticed this in perfect faith? Brother Graham said forgiveness, he says faith is based on forgiveness. So, when you come to the level of perfect faith, there has to be a perfect forgiveness. In Jesus, in Matthew, in Mark chapter 11, in the middle of of introducing the spoken word to the church, he immediately stops and says, if you have aught against any, and look what he does. He brings forgiveness into the pattern because unless there is a complete open slate, then, then the very faith that we desire in this age is not obtainable. If it's not complete forgiveness. Now watch the beauty of this. He says now to forgive. Now many times you talk about forgiveness in a church. Now we're talking about a divine attribute. You talk about forgiveness in a church. And now any church or anybody. And I'm I'm aware people are watching. So it's just going different places. But in any church or in any conversation. With any family. With any situation. You all have been through things. And most of you have been through a lot of things. Some of you have have maybe have just been salvaged from some great tragedies in your life. And many times, I hate to say it, but maybe it's even uh, clashes with religious people and situations and sometimes leaves people wounded and hurt and great things happen to people in their lives. And I believe, honestly, if, if I were uh, just taking a poll of the message of the hour across the nations and looking into churches, I would say probably one of the most... The, one of the most uh, hurtful spirits that there is that moves among the churches or the people is the spirit of unforgiveness. I think it's the most damaging thing that I could think of standing in the platform today. I don't believe smoking is just the big problems that we're having, maybe maybe it's not uh, alcoholism, but it is a spirit that is just as detrimental to a family as it is an alcoholic or a dope addict or anything else because it will end up in the same result even if it's not viewed in the same level. Amen. But in the spiritual world, you can look into the realms and realize that forgiveness is there. Now, many times, if there's something that is wrong, it's because something has been done. So, like if someone's asking for forgiveness or needing forgiveness, it's because there has been something that has happened. Now, I, I know that I know this from personal uh, experience. Now, I'm going to preach from my heart this morning. Amen. But there is sometimes uh, things that happen. Let's just let's just give a, a definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a conscious or deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or a group that has harmed you. Regardless of whether they actually deserve forgiveness, forgiveness does not mean forgetting nor does it mean condoning an offense. Now many people can't forgive because they think forgiveness is condoning. Let's just say that there's someone mistreats a child. I think probably the worst thing that I could think of as a preacher is someone who abuses a child. I think it's the worst offense could be done to any person in the world is the abuse of a child. But if a child, someone's abused a child, and they come to you and they ask for forgiveness for what they've done, they want to correct their life. As a Christian, we are duty-bound to offer forgiveness to all men. So we forgive, but that does not condone what has been done. It's only forgiveness so as, hey, man, that whatever they face as a punishment that's up to them but what I will not allow is I will not allow someone else's transgression to tie up my spiritual life where I can't sing or shout or preach or have a free spirit and love people. Listen I want to put it out there very clearly Amen. that forgiveness is not for the person you forgive forgiveness is for the individual giving the forgiveness. Do you realize that when you forgive someone you you have just released yourself from whatever they have done, said, how they've acted or whatever else has took place. You are free whether they ever become free or not. You are free because forgiveness is the thing God gives you to let you walk away from situations that are unfixable. Situations that could never help you but you could walk away from them. Amen. Now let me just say this. I will never allow someone else to control my spirit life. I will not let somebody say enough bad things about me for me to walk away from Jesus Christ. I will not let enough preachers criticize me to make me walk away from the platform. So the only thing I can do to keep from being a bitter, critical person is to say, I forgive you, whether they've asked for it, whether they deserve it, whatever happens. The thing is, I will not allow it to destroy me because it's destroying them. I I cannot control what say about me i cannot control what people think about me but i can control how i feel about other people and i say i have no enemy i say i love every man i forgive every man i forgive every trespass because i am a son of the living god and an attribute of god is to forgive mankind that's what the attribute of God is. I'm talking about real Christianity. I'm talking about mature Christians. You've got to learn how to shake off what the devil is trying to stick on to you. You've got to learn how to shake it off and walk on and say, God, I don't know what's happening or what's taking place, but Father, I will not stay in this place the enemy has tried to bring me. Now, unforgiveness. Can we talk about it a minute this morning? Now, what I'm talking about is the attribute of divine nature. Don't don't lose our subject. Unforgiveness breeds things. So when someone says, I can't forgive, what you have done is you're creating an atmosphere and you're inviting other things. Now, (laughs) Now, i got to say things simple because I'm a simple man, but I'm a hillbilly. I come from Arkansas originally before the Lord transplanted me into Ohio, and we love, we love the people in Ohio. They tell me, somebody said here a while back, how, how's it feel being a Yankee? I said, I'm not a Yankee now. I'm just transplanted. i got a stronghold in the north. <laughs> we laugh about it, of course. Now, but down in Arkansas when I was a kid growing up, we didn't have an air conditioner. I know probably all y'all know how that feels, and, but now down in Arkansas it gets hot. It, we had one a little older. We had one in the, in the front room. But at night, of course, all we had was that old attic fan. How many of y'all grew up with an attic fan? That old attic fan. Now it was a the real problem is three bedrooms. So we had to measure. <laughs> you had to measure the windows to make sure nobody had their window up more than yours. Because... <laughs> You know, I always thought my granddad had eyes in the back of his head because he'd be back in his bedroom. I'd stay night with him. Me and the cousin sneak out, you know. He always knew. He'd holler from his bedroom, Where are you boys going? How did he know? It's because the attic fan was running, and when you open the door, it cut the air off in his bedroom. (laughs) Took me years to figure that out. So you always wanted everybody to have their... You know, the wind is the same. But, but it was hot, and you had to cover up with the sheets the most you could stand. And a lot of times you couldn't stand the sheet because in old summer nights, they were not just hot but muggy. I mean, how many of y'all have been in Arkansas on the July night or August? It's muggy. I mean, it can be 80%, 90% humidity. It's like being in the Amazon, man. I mean, it's just muggy. So you, you don't have air conditioner, so you can't cover up. Now what has happened is all night, because you're kids, you're running in and out the door. I always thought the only thing my dad could say was shut that door. <laughs> I thought for sure that's all he knew, shut the door. But, uh, but as kids, we didn't really understand the repercussions of the open door until you lay down at night. When you're running back and forth through the door, you don't think a thing about it, but dad knows night's coming. And when nighttime comes, you go in there and try to lay down. Listen. If you don't think that one person can make a difference, spend the night with a mosquito. (laughs) He is a tormentor. I promise you, he is a fallen nature. (laughs) Keep you up all night, and you ain't got no air conditioner, so you can't cover up. Now, what I'm saying is, whatever reason we was going in and out that door, the mosquitoes didn't care the reason. They just come through the door. The devil don't care why that you open a door, he just wants the door open. But the problem is, whatever reason you open the door, other things come in through that door. So sometimes you see things start in human, they come right into Christian lives, and you think, how did that get in those lives? How'd that get there? Through a door called unforgiveness. Because someone hurt someone's feelings. Somebody said something to somebody. Some situation happened. Now, yeah, y'all know I'm telling you the truth, amen. And when that door is opened, amen, all of a sudden these other things come in. So you never open the door for those things, but those things got in anyhow. So what you have to do is God gave us a way to keep that door off. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul tells us this. He tells us in the fourth chapter, the 30th verse, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be you kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you now look what he says grieve not the Holy Spirit do you know there are people now this 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 verse here can have kind of a double meaning amen and and, and the exact meaning of it means that 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 a man filled with the Holy Ghost can still grieve God amen. now brother Bantam explains this in a message lamb and dove and he talks about grieving the dove away he talks about see as a Christian your soul is sealed and it's always going to be sealed you're not going to gain or lose christianity what happens is your spirit is affected by the things you do so brother random says if you grieve that spirit by some action or something he said the dove will go out and fly on a limb y'all remember that he said that dove will go out and fly on a limb. What you've done is you grieve that spirit away from you, and then that's when you get sticky and nasty and mean and you do all kinds of things you never would have did. It's because you've grieved that spirit away from your life. And Brother Bram said, now there's a way to get it back. He said you just repent and that spirit will fly right back on your life and bring back that gentle, sweet spirit right on the inside of you. Now, listen, we are not, we are not wolves, we are sheep. So we're not gonna be protecting ourselves, we've gotta be lambs. If you ever take the nature that you have to protect yourself, then you turn into a wolf and you start defending yourself from everybody and everything, and it'll give you a nature that's not Christian nature at all. But if you're a lamb, remember this, we've got a shepherd. And we do not have to protect ourselves, our shepherd is our protector, and he always will protect us. So all we have to do is just let go and let God, and not worry with it, God will take care of it. Now people say to me all the time, so Brother Wayne, you talk about forgiveness a lot. I do, because the Bible said, as you forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. So how, how do you forgive someone? You forgive them on the same level God forgives you. Now some of you sitting here today are forgiven people. Some of you, like me, have been forgiven a lot of things. And any man that has been forgiven as much as I have been forgiven by my Father, I have a lot of forgiveness to give. Amen. I literally, before you even get it out of your mouth, I've already forgave you. Before you even said it, I've already forgave you. Because what I know is that I have been given so much, it is very easy for me to give because I can forgive. It is the nature on the inside. Now, some people, amen, never even receive the Holy Ghost because of unforgiveness. Now, one time a young man came in and counseled something with me. He's trying to receive the Holy Ghost, and he was telling me almost that it was God's fault he hadn't received the Holy Ghost. And I got to talking to him a little bit, and and as we were in counsel, we just sat and talked a while, and we moved across different areas of his life. And and a lot of times, you know, young people are suffering maybe with pornography or something going on on the internet, and and it's it's a hang-up for them, and they can't get by it and get the Holy Ghost. Maybe sometimes there's a little something going on maybe in their life what they've done or hadn't done and you know there's there's multiple things there seems like it blocks people from getting the holy ghost so i was just walking with him through his life a little just searching and all of a sudden something come up about his childhood and his father and he and he said something about his dad and the moment he spoke his dad's name i felt the presence of god drop in the room i said now we found the problem what's going on and he began to talk to me a little bit and he told me how he'd been mistreated as a young man and the bitterness that was in his heart. And I said, Brother, I said, I'll tell you this. Hey, amen. it's not a woman keeping you from getting the Holy Ghost. It's not any habit of your life. It's the bitterness that you're harboring in your heart against your father that's keeping you from going into the presence of God because God can't fill a heart that's full of bitterness. You've got to get that out of your life. He said, Brother Wayne, how do I do it? I said, you go to that mean old daddy of yours and you buy him a gift that you, that you think that he would really like and let it cost you a little something and you go to him and give it to him and tell him you love him and you thank him for every meal he ever gave you for every payment he ever made for every day he ever went to work I said forget about the trouble the man raised you he fed you he housed you he got you to where you are Amen. and, and, and when I said that he said I can't do it I can't do it now, now he, if he gets this, it's all right. Hey amen, I'd like him to hear it anyhow. Hey amen, and right now today, he's in a world of sin and messed up his life because he could not do a simple thing of letting it go out of his life. Now, listen, I know we look at a lot of problems, hey amen, but don't you overlook that bitterness that settles in lives and hearts. There's many young people trying to get the Holy Ghost and they can't get above the bitterness that the old devil has put in them against being mistreated or how they were treated in a certain place or what they did right amen forget it anyhow it's not worth your life it's not worth your home it's not worth everything in your life let go of the thing and let god fill you with the holy ghost and god can change everything that happens around now now you say preacher i'm gonna need some bible i love the bible don't you It's the potential of the church," he said. "Looking diligently, lest any man would follow the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up would trouble you, or have," he says, "thereby many defiled. Thereby many defiled. Now watch this: bitterness is a defilement. Don't let it spring up. It's now. Here's the thing about bitterness: it grows quicker than morning glory. It girls quick. You can be pretty good buddies with somebody and meet them out in the parking lot and not shake their hand right, and before they get in the car, they're already criticizing you. Because it springs up so quick. Now look at what Paul was saying to us don't let it spring up and defile you. Now people say, Well, Brother Wayne, it's really, you know, it's just a little problem I have, and it's not a real issue. Let me let me let me let me let me dig in a minute. In Christ, the mystery of God revealed, paragraph eighty six. If the brother you think is a little wrong or the sister, you say, Lord, don't never let me have the root of bitterness spring up because it will affect him and it will take the Christ right out of my life. Can you imagine to let something in your heart to take Christ out of it? Amen. The poisoned acids of malice and jealousy and hatred will take the Holy Spirit right away from you And it'll run him from the tabernacle. It'll kill the spirit of God. It'll drive it away from here. It will hurt your pastor. Isn't that amazing? Now, I'm going to deal with something just for a moment. The spirit of bitterness goes right after the ministry. Every time. Sometimes when someone has a word of criticism, I want you to stop and think about where it's coming from. I said, Preacher, what are you doing? I want to show you something. If you hear something bad about a certain person, don't ever hear it without looking at the source. Because the source may have a reason they're trying to tear down because that ministry is exposing. 90% of the criticism with ministry generally is a spirit has been corrected and they don't take the correction, and instead of taking the correction, they turn and attack the vessel doing the correcting. Now, I'm a preacher, I know. Amen. And the beauty of it is generally the ministry has enough grace that they don't go tell the whole church why they are correcting. But the critical spirit makes sure they tell the church and they tell the world and they tell everybody, everything. It's because their intent is to destroy the voice that would correct them. But watch what a prophet does. He says, now watch. He said, it will hurt the pastor it will hurt the church it will hurt the life don't you ever let a bitterness get in your soul it'll canker you i don't care how much people hate you you love them anyhow I don't care what they think about you. You love them anyhow. Now watch this, because unforgiveness, it brings bitterness. Unforgiveness breeds. It breeds criticism. Unforgiveness breeds things in your life. It starts as unforgiveness, but it ends up something much different. Amen. It ends up with families out of church. Now, if you will poll it tonight or this morning, I guarantee you there are families, not just this church, but all over the world, there are families in this church didn't leave over doctrine. They don't leave over worship. They leave because they got their feelings hurt. We've got families in Ohio leave because they get their feelings hurt. You got families in Tennessee go somewhere because they get their feelings hurt. You got people. Now I'm just going to preach to you this morning because the devil's a devil, and we might as well just call that devil out. Don't. I don't want to be uncomfortable. Let's make the devil uncomfortable. It's it's and you can you can ask me some. Was there a doctrinal problem? No, sir. Uh, was was it, uh, was there some trouble? Spiritual worship? Oh no, sir. What was it? Well, so and so said something to me, and this said that, and and the next thing you know, you see that. A spirit is moved, a family or moved a people out from under a good ministry to get them in a place where the devil can tell them anything they want, they can treat them any way they want, and there's nobody there. A God-called pastor is to beat the devil off of you. He's to stand there and take his sword and smack that devil so you can live free, so you can live hard. That's why. Oh God, have mercy. Can I preach? Can I preach? Amen. That's why they they, they have replaced the ministry with tapes because no tape ever offends anybody. They can shut it off because a tape don't look in your eyes and discern what's going on with you. A tape don't take a text and walk down and say, if you don't get that devil off of you, you ain't gonna get right now. Amen, because the tape is played to a congregation. But a preacher is a man of God that sees a spirit moving in a church or moving on a life and he said, I'm not gonna let that devil take that family. I'm not gonna let that devil hold them people. So he comes again the spirit and the devil turns all hell against him. But as the church of the living God, you are to be trained enough to tell that devil, I'm on the side of the Lord. I will not side with criticism and bitterness. Oh, glory be to God. I say, let the power of love fill this room. Let it fill every heart because that's what we're going to experience in heaven. Now, I know, I know some people, seems like to me, that they just got your button, you know? Uh, I'm glad the Bible's here, I'm glad the potential's here. You know, it's like uh, you look at a car, a Corvette, and you say it can go from zero to 60 in .2 seconds, whatever it is, I don't know, but it's the potential of it, right? Can it go and stop and go and stop? Electric car's got a potential of so far, so you know that before you get it, what the potential of it is, right? The potential of your ability to forgive is better than you think. God God installed a Christian, as 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 a factory does a Corvette, he put a potential in you that can do more than you think it can. But your potentials are recorded in the scripture and have told you what you're capable of if you just let God do it. This is what you're capable of if God's driving your car. Look what he says. Jesus said unto them one time, I, I love it how Peter, Peter's he's the guy, isn't he? he Peter, Peter said, Lord, you know, about this forgiveness stuff. And who was it the other day said Peter was, wasn't aiming at the ear? Was that you? <laughs> he said he cut off his ear. He said, I don't think he's aiming his ear. He's just a bad shot. Jesus is talking to Peter, of course, and he's talking to Peter about forgiveness. Peter said, Lord, how much, you know, how much should we forgive? He says, Well, Jesus said, I say unto thee, until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Well, that's good for a month, year, yeah, yeah. That'd be good for a year. 490 times a year, that's better than one a day. Yeah, we'll we'll take that. That's okay, Lord. <laughs> he said, No, 70 times seven a day. Amen. Now that is potential. You have the ability within you to forgive a trespass, 490 offenses in one day. You are a powerful people. Now watch this, 490 times, meaning to me, there's gonna be a lot of offenses. Meaning to me, if he built you this way, there's a reason. Number one, is many people are easily offended. Number two, some people are just offendable. There's some people, there's some people says hello when you're offended. I'm not really, I'm not easily offended personally. I'm really not. You got to let me know you're offended. I'm an old dumb hillbilly. You got to point it out to me. Otherwise, I just think, well, I don't know what they meant with that, and I just keep going. It comes in handy sometime, you know. I'm not really that offendable. I'm really not. But if you do offend me, I'll forgive you. Now, it means then that there's going to be a lot of offenses. You could be offended up to 490 times in one day living in this earth. Now, if you're a member of a church, probably the chances go up. Offenses, according to Matthew 8 and 7, he says, Offenses, woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs to be offenses come, but woe unto the man whom the offenses cometh. Now look what he's saying unto us. Jesus made the promise, offenses are coming. Can I I just be real with you here a minute? If you ain't been offended at the church, you're gonna be. If you haven't, you're gonna be. Just hang around. If the preacher don't get you, the deacon will. If the deacon don't get you, the song leader will. If the song leader don't get you, one of the trustees will. One of the trust somebody's gonna offend you before you get done. You you're gonna be offended. Jesus said it's coming. So offenses are coming, but here's the thing: God give you a way to deal with the offenses. He said 490 times a day, I can let offenses come into my life and they'll go out the exhaust. 490 times a day. I have the capacity for you to offend me 490 times and at nine, 490 times and not have to carry one home at bed at night. I have the ability to lay my head on the pillar at night, not being offended or have been offended. I can just go to sleep because I didn't let the sun go down on my wrath. You are a great built church of the living God, built so as offenses can come through you and out of you and not hinder the movement of the Spirit of God at all. I tell you what, I love a church that knows how to worship. I love a church that knows how to dance and shout and praise God. I do. I know there's a lot of people. seems like it's plumb. It's offensive. (laughs) It seems like it's offensive to them. Well, we're sorry, brother. Amen. But you recognize, I recognize something about a church that knows how to rejoice, knows how to shout. What that means is you've learned how to put stuff aside and come to church. Because the devil's going to put enough on you to make sure you don't get here if you'll let him. I was just talking to Brother Ron the other day. We were down there. I'm sure he probably told you it was his church, but we were down there holding that meeting with him, with Brother uh, Sean Martin's meetings, and he said he threw up on the way eight times, stopped and throwed up eight times on the way. His Sister Connie, I guess it was, said to him, said, well, do we need to turn around and go back home? Are you sure you want to go? He said, no, I want to go to the pulpit because I don't want the devil to learn that's all it takes to keep me out of the pulpit. Because if he learns that, then I'm going to be throwing up every time church comes. Do you see what it is? He wasn't allowing the devil to find a pattern in his life where he was stoppable. I'm preaching to you now. Some of you are easy. Some of you, only thing has to happen is somebody put a mean tweet out about you. Say a little something on Facebook about you. Say a little something on Instagram about you. Somebody don't shake your hand and you're all tore up and you don't even wanna come to the house of God and the devil don't have to do more than that. You're easy, but what you wanna do is become unoffendable. Say, Satan, don't matter what you do. Don't matter what you say. Don't matter what happens. I'm going to the house of God on Sunday, and I'll tell you what, I'm not just going to go there and sit with my hands in my lap like a sour grape. I'm going to stand on my feet and I'm going to shout glory. I'm going to let every devil out of hell know you can throw everything you got at me. But, brother, I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep shouting. I'm going to keep praising because I am built to praise my God. I am built as a son of the living God, to not be stopped by some simple little offense or trouble or trial. I tell you, amen, I tell you this, I don't want the devil to hold me under something so easy. If he's gonna get me, he's gonna be working, brother. It ain't gonna be because somebody said a little something mean about me. They made a video about me. Well, they made one about you, Pastor, too. That just means we must be hitting hell good. We must be a danger. I tell you, they say, well, if you don't quit preaching like that, they're going to start doing this. Let me tell you, I'm not going to quit preaching. I'm going to make more tapes than ever. I'm going to preach harder than ever. I'm going to speak more than ever. I'm going to talk about miracles and the power of God and divine gifts and a living Jesus Christ. If you think you can stop us with a little mockery or making fun, you have picked the wrong church. You have picked the wrong preachers because we get up in the morning and say, where you at, devil? Where you Yeah, devil, amen, because you're looking for a devil to squash. Now, I wish we were divine all the time, but the beauty of it is God built you not just divine, he built you human. So he built you to coexist with humanity and divinity at the same time. Now, there's a real powerful sermon. You should look into it sometime on Glowfish. It's a powerful It's a powerful thought. I don't have time to preach it this morning. But but what it is is that if you want something to act a certain way and it's beyond its nature, you have to give it another nature. Glowfish particularly, they wanted in India to be able to identify poison water without test. So they decided they would build a fish that when a fish was in water... You could look down at the water. If that fish is glowing, the water is undrinkable. Now that glow fish, problem is there's no fish glow, right? So but they had to, it has to be a fish. You can't use it if it's not a fish. So they had to find a fish that has the ability to exhibit a dual nature. So they go out in the ocean and find a jellyfish. He's in the deeps and jellyfish glow. They have a luminous. So they took the luminous from the jellyfish and they inserted it in a, in a little fish problem is finding one that could do it do you know what they did they found a simple little fish in india the simplest of all the fish but it was the only fish that could exhibit dual nature so the scientist took it in a little room he took it in a little room and, and in secrecy he injected in the inner being of that a, a light And then, of course, then he comes out to exhibit the light. He puts it in a a tank, and he shuts all the lights off. And then they add a little poison to the tank. Now, the little fish in there might be thinking, why they shut the lights off? But it's the scientist wanting to exhibit his intelligence that has been transferred into this simple little fish. He's wanting everybody to see his great mind was able to exhibit dual nature in something and so has God desired for you as a human to exhibit a divine nature. So he didn't make you a God in that he left you in humanity, but he put his own nature in you. Now he couldn't just put it on your skin because first time you took a shower, he'd go. He couldn't just put it in your spirit because he's five dates to get to it. So he had to put it in the soul so that the soul would be in a place that it could exhibit from the soul realm. The inner inside of inside. And so what he did is he gave you that nature. Now, by changing that nature, he gave you the ability to escape. Now, I want to just say this something to you. As a human, you're, a, you're, a, you're, you're easy. Okay, as a human. Because Satan has been studying the human nature for 6,000 years. Uh, Zach, sitting over there, me and him used to coon trap. My nephews, we we took a boat and put in Spring River and we'd float and set and all this. Well, one day, one day, me and Zach was over there and he's setting a trap and I said, "Son, that won't work." And he said, "Dad, I think it will." I said, "No, son, that won't work." He said, "I think it will." I said, "What's your trap?" I kind of a little arrogantly, you know, "What's your trap? <laughs> Leave it empty if you don't want to, you know." So I walked off and got in the boat. Come back the next morning, big old coon in that trap. I was like, well, I guess I got a little to learn. <laughs> My granddad trapped Coon, and he taught me how to trap a raccoon sitting on his couch. He was getting older, and he'd tell me, he'd say, son, the thing about a raccoon that makes him trappable is that he keeps habits. And a creature of habit makes him trappable. He said, because you can track him. He said, so what you do is you learn his patterns and his habits and you use his own pattern to get him. He said what you do is you got to learn. you got to learn. And, and this is his saying. He said you got to learn him to find where he's got his foot stuck out. Now what that means. Is, now think about this, young people. You've got to make a, a raccoon. His foot's this big. You've got to make him put his foot in that spot. And how many, how many acres of ground is in this state? he could put his foot anywhere in this whole state but you're predicting he'll put it in a spot that big around he could turn and go anywhere he wanted to he could do anything he wants but if you're a trapper you learn the nature of that animal and you can follow that and say right here i'll catch him right here now the thing about um the thing about a creek bank or a creek or something like that. There's places. How many of y'all ever seen an old creek? You, you live by them, been by them and everything else. Have you ever noticed that there's little sandbars in a creek? Like a little sandbar like this. And then and then all of a sudden there's a bluff bank. You ever seen that? And you look down a creek bank and the whole thing's a bluff. And there's a big nice tree sitting on the side. Now what a what a raccoon will do is when he comes to a sandbar, he'll walk high and low like this. So you can set a trap there. It'll be empty from now on. Because he'll walk this way and he'll walk that way. You come up to another spot in a gravel bar, and he'll walk this way, and he'll walk that way. But when that bank turns up, it turns flat like this, and the water's running next to it, well, a coon, by nature, he'll only walk about elbow deep in that water. So if you look down next to that bank, you'll see the tracks from last night or the night before. And when you see them tracks, you know that's his trail right there. So what you do is you can follow him a mile up that creek bank and not have no spot to get him. But when you get to that spot right there, now you got him. So you just set a trap right there, and you don't have to set a trap down there. You don't have to set a trap up there. That one trap's gonna get him, and it's a sure-fired place because he's gonna put his foot in it right there. That's where it's gonna get him, which teaches us that the devil can pattern your life. The devil now, what he'll do is he'll trail you. He'll watch you daily. And being a trapper, He don't even want you to know that he has a trap laid. What the devil will do is he'll watch your life and watch for the patterns, and he's looking for that one spot. He's just looking for that place where you got your foot stuck out or where you're you're off of guard, that little weak spot. He's looking for that one little place. And the thing about the devil is he don't care if he gets you when you're 20 or you're 30 or you're 40. Sometimes he'll follow a sister till she hits menopause and he'll know, I'll get her in menopause sometimes he'll watch me and he'll say when they get to the change of life he's going to want I'm going to get him right there and he knows exactly by human nature he don't have to get you he don't have to get you at your, at your time you'll think he's going to do this or he's going to do it. he's just waiting to find that spot in your life because you're a human being he's waiting for that moment in your life where you stick your foot in that trap now I'm a trapper and we, me and Zach we trapped that old spring river a bunch of times and, and what we really wanted to catch was an otter because the otter Paid the most, you know, they they was the most paying. We, I hope y'all don't shoot me. I hope no Pete is here this morning. <laughs> you all okay with me? <laughs> They'll be blocking this off of the internet. <laughs> uh, but, but we were, we were, we, we wanted to trap otter because that was the best money. But now, them traps we had, I, I don't know what we get for them traps 25, 30 dollars probably for them good traps. And, and we would, we would find a spot where the otter was on the bank or slide, you know, otter slide. So we'd find a good spot and we set the trap. <laughs> Them dudes took our traps. What, they take two or three? They'd take two or three of our traps. What they are, the otter's so strong. If you set your trap, they'll jump off in the water and they'll spin. They'll just spin like this. And when they spin, they'll break the wire off of the trap that's, that's got it tied down. they just take your trap and go with them. Because they're almost uncatchable. The only way you can catch an otter is that you've got to put him in a kill trap or you have to drown him. You have to have a slide and drown him. But well, we thought we could outsmart him and just catch him. So the point I'm saying to you is, that we don't want to just catch something. You want to keep something. So when you set in your trap, you do it so as that, not just to trap this animal, you're not looking just to trap him and he pull his foot out or whatever, because if he ever does that one time, you'll never catch him after that because he'll know that trap from now on. So you, you don't do any of that, but you put it so as when it sets, it'll catch him and it'll hold him. Do you see what the devil's trying to do? He don't want to just catch you. He wants to hold you. He wants to hold you. I, 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 can, can, I, can I preach a minute? I see men that left their families. Now get this. I, I talked to a brother one time. He was a brother. He left his family and went with another woman and started living with that woman. And, and while he was living with her, I went to him and talked to him. And I said, brother, you got to go home. You got babies at home. You got, you, they need their daddy. And I started talking to him. He said, but brother, he said, what about this lady? What, he said, I've got her out here in this mess and I'm responsible for it and all that. And I laughed, I said, look at that devil what he's doing to you. You have left your responsibility and that now the devil's making you feel responsible for this. Brother, you're not responsible for this. You're responsible for your wife and children. And listen, let me tell you this. The devil will make you feel like you're responsible for something that don't even belong to you. You've got to get tied up in some mess that don't even have nothing to do with you. Amen. Get your, get your priorities in line. And know that God's called you to be a father and a husband. Amen. And get yourself in your, oh, God. Now, now you, you see, the devil don't want to just catch you, brother. He wants to keep you. He wants to get you in a place he can keep you. And you find out this. Amen. Brother Random tells us the nature. He said that old coon, he didn't trap him with his foot out. The way Brother Ram trapped him is he put nails in a log. Y'all heard Brother Ram tell it. He put nails in a log and put a little shiny thing up there and when the moon would flash you'd see that shine back in there and old Coon will reach his hand back in there and he he can get his hand in now but when he gets a hold of it he'll grip it and he can't pull his hand out. And that that crazy coon will hold on to that and a hunter coming after him. He can see the hunter coming up the bank and he won't let go of it. Listen to me. The devil knows you're in the trap. He sees you there and he's coming after you. Don't hold on to it. Amen. Let go of the thing this morning. Let go of it. I don't care who did it, who's right, who's wrong. Don't make no difference. Let go of the thing and run for your life run to Jesus Christ and let the power of God take a hold of this situation in your life listen I I, 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 I know people People probably think I'm insane but, but unforgiveness is a prison to you it's as it's bad as if you had a jail and a bar and a prison because you Get away from your friends. You isolate yourself from your church. You isolate yourself from people that can help you. you got friends you talked to for years, but you can't even talk to them because of unforgiveness. You're in a prison. You're a prisoner to the thing. You said, Brother Wayne, I'm going to talk to you out of the scriptures in case you don't think I'm crazy, man. Jesus said that actually was a parable of a man that owed a, a man a lot of money. And he went to the man and he said, will you forgive me this great debt? I forget the numbers. I've got some numbers written down here. I don't know if it's exact, but it's, but it's a, just to show you the contrast. It was about $3.4 billion he owed in today's money. And he said, will you forgive me? And the man said, yeah, I'll forgive you. Let him go home. The same man had a servant that owed him <laughs> And it was 10,000 talents, which is about $600,000 in modern money. And instead of forgiving that man, he had him beat. Now watch what happens. When the fella heard that you beat a man for $600,000 and I just forgave you $3.4 billion, he said, go get that man and bring him back up here. And you say, what in the world? You think God's gonna put us back in prison? The prison is the unforgiveness. See, the prison, it not forgiven is the prison. It is literally the thing that keeps you out of fellowship. You can can kneel down and pray, and there's a black sheet in front of you. You can't get through, you can't worship, you can't get you can't get nothing from God. Because of that unforgiveness is there, it literally becomes a prison unto them. Now, I'm sitting here today preaching to you about offenses and 490 times a day, and God give it to us. I'll, I'll, give, you a, I'll give you a little figure. 490 times a day, it, it means every two minutes in a 24-hour day. You sleep eight, so there's 16 hours divided by 490 times in those six is two minutes. So what that means is when someone offends you, you got two minutes to get rid of it before it starts hurting. When somebody offends you, you got two minutes. You can stomp and holler and get mad and do whatever you want for two minutes. After that two minutes, let it go, brother. Let it go. And if you're married to somebody that's having trouble with it, just tell them, two minutes. You heard the preacher. You know, i to say more than that. I already said it. Just do. Two minutes. That's all you got because it's so damaging to your life. If you hold it in your heart over two minutes, it begins to affect you. It begins to change who you are. And then now, offenses come all the time. But can I say this to you? I'm talking to what I believe to be a tremendous congregation. I respect your pastor, your pastors. I respect these men of God, amen. I respect your belief. I I think this full gospel light is a powerful church. It's making an impact internationally in the message of the hour. We love you, think so highly of you. Some people say, well, why would you preach a sermon like that to this kind of congregation? Do you know it was Jesus himself who spoke of John the Baptist whenever it was that John the Baptist got through in jail. Y'all remember it? Y'all remember what he got in jail for? He was preaching on marriage and divorce, and some people got mad at him, amen, and they had the power to put him in jail, and they put him in jail, and John was over there in jail, and his eyes started dimming, and look at how far and how offended he got at Jesus. He said, is this him, or do we need to get another one? Think of that. John got so offended at Jesus Christ. Now, you say, why did he get offended? Brother Bram said it's because it didn't work out the way John had it planned. He said John had introduced Jesus as a Messiah with a fan in his hand and he would thoroughly purge the floor. He was looking for Jesus to completely destroy that bunch of Pharisees and do away with all of them and now he had let God, had let John fall into the hands of these men for preaching the gospel. And Brother Branham said he was offended at Jesus Christ. Do you know what? Do you know what? Actually, that Brother Branham says he says that there's more people offended at Jesus than there is in the whole world. There's more people offended at Jesus tonight than they are at any of us. Amen. People are offended at him because things have not worked out the way they wanted them to. Sometimes we get situations we say it's going to be like this and going to be like this. Amen. But the prayer said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Learn how to pray, not what we will, what God wills. That we don't become offended at the God that gave us grace and mercy in this age. When I look at this, I see, amen, that what Brother Bram says here, he says, they become offended. Now, watch this, they get offended too quick. I love it when they go, when John his disciples go to Jesus and says, he's asked, now listen to this, he's asked, are you him or do we look for another? And Jesus never got angry. What Jesus did, he said, you boys go sit and watch the meeting and you go tell him what you've seen and heard and blessed is he, that's not offended in me, which was the 11th commandment. Remember the forgotten forgotten beatitude was, blessed is he that's not offended in me. And John had said the worst thing he could say about Jesus, and Jesus said there's not a greater man born of a woman than John the Baptist. Listen to me, and the greatest man born of a woman outside of Jesus Christ was offended at God. Don't tell me that you can get so big you can't get offended, that you can't get offended at one another, you can't get offended at God. Amen. But the beauty of it is God has given us forgiveness this morning to let every offense go, to let every trouble go. Now, amen. I'm going to be closing very quickly. So what we see then is we see that there are stories in the Scripture that expresses this attribute. There is not a picture in the entire Bible that would say more about forgiveness than Joseph It is the greatest picture of forgiveness in the entire Bible. Joseph never done anything to deserve being treated wrongly. Never. None. The Bible says they hated him without a cause. Amen. And they mistreated Joseph for no reason whatsoever. Amen. I'll tell you what Brother Brandon said it was. He said it's because the devil knew the promised son was coming and he was trying to kill him before he got there. So the anger that was in their heart, the jealousy that came upon them was just because he was a spiritual man. That's all it was. Because he was a spiritual man, his brethren beat him. His brethren stripped him. His brethren throwed him in a... In a, in a pit and sold him. He sold him into slavery. Church, now I'm talking about some real stuff. How would you feel if we took you out back and beat the snot out of you and sold you off into a bunch of that probably wasn't proper English. But but y'all know what I meant. Amen. But they beat him, amen, and put him in that pit. And then he left the pit, maybe go get a little better. And he goes to Potiphar's house. And they raise him up and a woman accuses him of something horrible that he never even done wrong. And because they told a lie on him, he ended up down there in a prison house. The man was thoroughly mistreated. You never read Joseph ever, amen, coming back and saying, well, this is really what happened and this is how it took place. And I tell you, these people are horrible. You never read that in the Bible at all, amen, but because he was carrying a divine nature as a son of God, he was the very example of Jesus Christ and he went through all of it and they couldn't put bitterness in him and because he had no bitterness, they couldn't put any bitterness in him and it's one of the most Powerful stories I know of, when they took him out of the prison, and they elevated a gift because of the character it had, and they made him ruler in the land of Egypt. Can you imagine when Potiphar come riding by and seen him crowning Joseph, and he went home and he told his wife, Honey, I hope you wasn't lying, because that fellow that we put in jail has just become the second ruler in all of Egypt. Once he got in position of power, he could have done whatever he wanted. He could have sought vengeance on Potiphar's wife. He could have took his brother and had them sawed asunder and thrown into the pits, into the gators. He could have done whatever he was in power. But the reason he was in power is because of the character he had. And if the right man is in power, character will show forgiveness every time. If you see the power of Jesus Christ in a man's life, forgiveness is one of the attributes. Look what he did. He never he never sought vengeance because he was an example of Jesus Christ. Brother Wayne, should I forgive someone who hasn't asked? I don't know of a better example of this than the Son of God. Now, he's just been beaten beyond recognition. Tied him to a pole and beat him because he can't walk. He hasn't done anything wrong. A wrong little man. He's dragging his own cross. And the people that he's going through this for are screaming, crucify him. It's there that a man named Simeon or Simon reaches down. Brother, I'd like to have that opportunity, wouldn't you? And says, I know you've got to do this, but let me help you carry it. He helped, he helped him carry that cross up that hill. They took our Lord by vision. A prophet gave us a, a great look right into it. Water of the Rock, 55. He said, I seen him going up the cobblestone. He said, I can hear the bump of the cross as it goes. He said, I'm watching his garment. He said, one spot, then another, then another. He said, then it began to join itself together until it become one blood soaked garment. While that blood was dripping and he was walking. They were screaming, crucify him. They were hailing him as a rejected king. They were spitting, mocking, laughing. He hasn't done no wrong. He ain't done nothing. For what good work? What'd he do? I don't know, crucify him something was driving them to get this man out of their midst they took him up there on that cross and he hangs he hangs there he hangs next to murderers to thieves he's hanging there We do a good job as a Christian world of putting a little napkin over his privates and giving him a little dignity while he's on the cross. But I'm sorry to say there was none that day. He was stripped. My Lord hung naked before the crowd. Could you tell me why? Did he do while he was hanging there, the blood soaked, the blood soaked hair dripping, the blood running from there. He could see them, brother. He could hear them. The people he was sent to help was screaming, Crucify him! They were spitting at him. One of the, one of the most powerful scenes in, in scripture. They offer him bitterness. Have you, have, you ever, have you ever studied it? They offered him, they offered him a drink. He said, I thirst, and they offered him something. Do y'all know what he offered him? They offered him a ragweed that is mixed with a certain chemical that it comes from the hemp that it kills pain. It's an the sedative. They offered him bitterness to deal with the pain. Listen to me, they offered him bitterness to deal with the pain of rejection and crucifixion, but he would not receive bitterness when it would even do the hardest pains. Listen, there's going to be times in your life pain's going to come. people's going to do mean things. It's going to say mean things, and Satan's going to offer you some bitterness if you could just be mad at him. If you could just be wrong, if they could just be wrong and you could say mean things, you wouldn't hurt anymore. Amen, but if you just open up your arms, your type is Christ, and he opened his arms and said to them, Father forgive them they don't know what they do look at this he forgave them while they were scheming crucify him while they were spitting and mocking and let me tell you that potential is in you that potential is in every person in this building that has received the Holy Ghost you don't have to have somebody ask you you've got something in you that can forgive the unforgivable you can forgive when nobody's asked for it you can give back when nobody has asked a thing because you are A Christian, you are a son of God, you are a daughter of God. I don't know what the devil's trying to hold on you this morning, but I think we ought to kill every spirit of bitterness in this building. We ought to take every spirit of unforgiveness and hang them by their own noose this morning. We ought to turn right on that devil and say, I'll tell you what, you try to keep me from loving my brother, but I'm going to put my arm around him this morning. I'm going to tell him I love him. I'm going to tell my sister I love him. If I've done anything, forgive me please. Amen. Make every right wrong. Make every situation come to the right place. You have have the potential this morning, you do not have to carry that with you another day. He stretched his arms, and he took the sphere, and as the blood from his side mixed with the blood from his back, it dropped onto the ground, and healing and forgiveness came at the same time. It's mixed, the bloodstream mixed, healing and forgiveness. If you want some healing in your life, your spirit, forgive. If you want to live like a new Christian, like you'd never, like the first night you received the Holy Ghost, fill your heart with forgiveness. Fill your heart with love for one another. Let love be your theme. Let it fill your entire soul. There's nothing more powerful on this earth than divine love. It's exactly what we need this morning. I wonder somebody this morning might say Brother Wayne I want that to come by my seat today I want that to come by my heart today I want out of this trap I want out of it before morning I want out today Won't you stand to your feet with us today Father Forgive them Don't know what they do. It was those great words. It was those great words that he spoke. The only man who was ever right became wrong so I could go free. The only man ever right. Not one of you is right this morning. So I'm in an argument with somebody. There's no right. There's no right. Jesus, Jesus was right. And he knew if he didn't forgive, you couldn't go to rapture. Right? I was riding, Brother Ron was riding on an airplane home from Canada some time ago. And I was coming home from a meeting. You know how Mondays, how you do sometimes. And I was just riding. I was thinking. And I got to thinking about pardons and how people get pardons and spend 10, 12, 15 years sometimes in jail and they never even did it. Somebody figures out they didn't do it and they let them go. I was thinking about all that, and I got to think about spiritual pardons and, and what I was thinking about it. I thought, but Lord, I I did it. in an instant on that airplane I'm sitting there thinking. I know the scripture says you never done it but Lord I did. I really did it. I was there. I have memory. It was trouble. It was sin. It was horrible. I was there. And I just bowed my heart. I said God how could you ever? And Brother I don't know if it was audible. I don't know what it was, but it was to me. He said, you are my Barabbas. Brother, there was a power. swept through that airplane. I I started bawling like a baby. I imagine everybody in the plane thought I was insane. I just started bawling like a baby. Because Barabbas had no hope. He had no way to get
1: right. of Calvary he didn't have to go
0: and this morning that same Jesus Christ is right here in this building his blood still has the same power his grace still means just as much maybe there's a situation in your life today and you don't know how to get over it you don't know what to do he said it if we sin against one another seven times 70 a day, then our God has the same attribute. He has the same ability and to think that a loving father this morning, all you have to do is turn toward home. Say, Lord, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to return to my life. Maybe there's something you need to correct in your life this morning offense, something you've been letting go cool in your heart for a while, and it's changing you, it's making you a person you never were, maybe right here this morning you say, brother, I want this to leave me, this is not me, I'm not a mean angry
1: person, I don't want to be this person, it's not me, as we bow our hearts this morning,
0: Father, I've delivered my heart to your children this morning. Father, maybe someone here or someone watching, maybe it'll be a blessing to them somehow. Father, I pray though right now in this building, I believe there's hearts here. I believe there's needs here in this sanctuary. Maybe one don't know you, just they've never really gave their life. But I pray right here this morning, Lord, they turn loose of whatever life they're living and they run to you. Father, maybe somebody trapped in a situation this morning that's got that's holding them in sin and they just don't know how to get out. I pray this morning they just let them go and they run to you. Maybe the old enemy's trick somehow has tricked them and brought them into a place where they're, they're struggling to forgive. I pray, Father, the spirit of forgiveness would move in this building in such a powerful way. Lord we would hear what Joseph said we would hear what Jesus said and it would become our words this morning now Father I commit this to you in the name of Jesus Christ I pray Amen and Amen Amen God bless you this morning brother
2: does he still Feel the nails every time I feel Can I hear the crowd cry, crucify again? And
1: You've watched Jesus handle His Word this morning. Won't you come to Him? He's got His arms wide open. Something has happened. This is Jesus.
2: Who does He steal? I know I've got a change. I just can't bear the thought of hurting you. There's forgiveness in the room. There's forgiveness in the room. There's forgiveness in i <laughs> Troubled times, oh, sing when I win. I can sing when I lose my step and fall down again. I can sing because you pick me up. We'll sing because you're there. I can sing because you hear me, Lord, when I call to you in prayer. I can sing with my last breath we'll sing for I know that I'll sing with the angels and the saints around the throne well how can I keep from singing your praise how can I ever say enough how amazing is your love from shouting your name. I know I am loved by the King and it makes my heart want to sing.
1: Hallelujah. 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 I wonder from your spot that you're setting this morning, could you say, Hallelujah. 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 I don't know about you, but I watched Jesus work this morning. I watched Jesus take what we would say, a Arkansas hillbilly. I watched Jesus work this morning. I watched Jesus go through the channels of your life. I watch Jesus go through the thoughts, go through your patterns, go through every one of your thoughts and every one of your ways, and I watched Jesus turn over a stone, and I watched you move that stone out of your way. That's the power of our Christ. I believe he expressed himself here this morning in his attribute of forgiveness. Doesn't it feel wonderful just to have a load lifted off of your shoulder? You know, Sister Francis, it means the world to me when Jesus comes by and picks up my problems. Said, I got this. I got this. It's just amazing when he comes by and picks up your load. And you could be Simon Serene, and you could be underneath the cross, and you could say, Jesus, I'm here to help you. And Jesus looks over and says, no, I'm, I'm here to help you. I'm so thankful that he looked over at me one day and said, I'm here to help you. Why don't you thank the Lord right there where you are? Just for a moment, lift your hands in and, and solemn worship right there from your heart. Lift up a hallelujah. Lift up a praise to him, the God that is rich in mercy, a God that is not quick to anger, but a God that his mercy endureth unto the end, and his mercy is new every morning. Hallelujah. 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 Don't you just love the Lord?